Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I play stupid games and win stupid prizes. Joining me is a woman who is still trying to get her scarf back from Maggie Gyllenhaal, Marisa Bates. Hello there, Caroline. Marisa Bates, this is one of the most requested sentimental garbage episodes of all time. Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. Terrifying. I mean, the the force of, of Taylor and the Swifties is, is not to be underestimated. And um, yeah, it, I, I almost didn't say yes. Because I thought of, I thought, how could I speak for for Swifties <laughs> for kind of a whole, like maybe two generations of women? Yeah, and the many to come, and right? the many to come, precisely. Because I think it will be the kind of thing of like boys will always have an age with again to Bob Dylan, and girls from now on will all have an age with again to Taylor. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny that I mean. Fans of this show kind of know what it's about. They know it is kind of about a guilty pleasure sort of thing. It is about the stuff that maybe we are ashamed to bring up on a first date or something because of how uncool it might make us look. And it strikes me as funny that like one of the most like decorated artists of our lifetime, like 13 Grammys or something, could still be sort of counted as a bit of a tacky pleasure, you know? Is yeah. that odd to you? It is, it is and it isn't, right? I mean, it, it is incredible when you think... She's now on on par in some ways with the Beatles in yeah. terms of of record breaking or things like that. But yes, I probably, I probably still I don't go out in my Taylor Swift t shirts. Right, I go Girl. out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I and I feel guilty about that. You know, so it's, I feel guilty about I've I've let myself down. Yeah. But yes, and I and I. But then on the other hand, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about. She is this kind of country turned pop star who's been so sweet and nice um, in how she's presented herself and was pretty uncool from day one. Mm. Um, so I think, yes, there is this, it's a contradiction, but there is, there is something, there is something about her that doesn't have that um, gravitas of a Madonna or. A Rihanna, and it's really interesting to explore why. Which I'm, it's. I mean, it's funny because like she does things that if a another kind, not even necessarily just a male artist, but if another kind of artist did, you'd be like, well, that's fucking pimp. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like the re-recording of all of her songs, and in some cases, um, which you know because she wants to own the masters, which is pretty punk, um, and then sort of rewriting some of those songs, and you know ruining Jake Gyllenhaal's life in the process <laughs> Amen. that's pretty punk like you know there's lots of really cool things she's done but because there's sign of something a bit milk toast a bit bland a bit oh so you're a woman with feelings are you absolutely <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and I think she 
But I, you know, I also think some of those things have come later. Yeah. You know, the the bits of Taylor that fans, oh, my fan, you know, me as a fan is most proud of have come later. And there's been a kind of awakening in her, hasn't there, I think. Yes. And and that shift makes her somebody I'm much more proud to, you know, uh, kind of show my allegiance to. Whereas the earlier Taylor, the Taylor the world first met, was just, um, to me, you know, she'd come out on those late night shows in those little tweed dresses. Yes, the very fairy princess dresses, singing about fairy princess stories. Yeah, and I think, you know, it it has taken some work to undo that in people's minds. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I think, I think, I mean... This is what this is why I'm worried about being on this podcast because I'm going to offend so many people. No. There isn't something instinctively uncool about her, but that makes me like her, right? Yes. Like she's she's not the world's greatest dancer. She doesn't, you know, people who can like move so naturally are just in my book amazingly cool. She's a slightly awkward dancer. You know, when she when I've seen her live and she does those bits at the piano where she starts talking about being bullied, I I just <laughs> I, I have no time for it. I'm like, please keep singing because you could sing to me forever, but please stop talking. Like there is just there are things in her that I kind of find endearingly uncool. And um her kind of coolness has come to me in her in her kind of growing up. And I think that's fair enough. When I was younger I was I think I expected more of her. But actually I cannot imagine I mean I think I'm about three or four years older than her, four or five, I'm not sure. Um I cannot imagine those years in the public eye, with that level of fame, you know, with all the Kanye stuff, with all that money. So you know, and all the people around her. I mean the Netflix documentary was really interesting yeah. to me because I think some of her kind of twee niceness was explained by the kind of machine around her. Um, and I think you really saw that um, in moments when she was trying to persuade her team to allow her to kind of come out against a Republican yes. congresswoman. Oh, yes, I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah. and it was she was kind of talking to her dad and another man and trying to persuade them that she could, uh, that she should sort of, let it be known how she feels politically and eventually she did and then it, to me it was really interesting the women the people who supported her in that moment were women it was her mother and her publicist who's a woman so that that kind of to me you know she, country music is a whole conversation in itself and the gender dynamics in there are really fascinating to me but she definitely played that sweet the kind of nice sweet girl who doesn't rock the boat because she grew up in the aftermath of the Dixie Chicks, right? Absolutely. Like she, they are kind of, apart from like, you know, Dolly Parton or something who's so stratospheric, the only icons she would have had to emulate would have been the Dixie Chicks who are these sort of like blonde pop country sort of mainstream radio people who absolutely eviscerated their career by being critical of um, the war in Iraq. So I can see why she would have been terrified. Oh, absolutely. Ter- they said one thing, one thing at a gig. And Shepard's Bush. <laughs> And then there were, you know, these people burning their records. And I, you know, so yeah, that was the message. Like the message was to, you know, I mean, not stay quiet about all things because she talked halfway through her gigs. But she, you know, to not speak about anything, which, which for me is the stuff I want to see women talk about. You know, I desperately want to see. And and why do I think that's cool? I don't know. I don't know if I think it's cool. I just admire it. And so... That that era of Taylor 
the beginnings of her were a little mute, a little bland. The clothes were terrible. And I didn't love the music. So I think... Yeah. So she, she, she isn't this kind of like, she's arrived on the planet Earth, this fully formed kind of goddess who we yes. should all adore. She's grown up. And as she's grown up... To me, she's just flourished in every way because her writing's got better, her singing's got better. She's spoken out about things she believes in. You know, she just gets better and better, which as a fan is is a joy. It really is. It is a, a real joy to watch someone like Taylor Swift evolve. And because she's of our generation, we've and and she's stuck around. Do you know what I mean? We've really watched it. And it, what it is like, it's like this like glowing huge cube of marble that is beautiful to look at be chipped away by the things that happen to it and then the sculpture underneath is like oh wow I love this yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah and I think it, you know that's so true but we've also we've also seen bits when maybe that sculpting went a bit wrong you know <laughs> yeah and that's satisfying in its own way yeah yeah I, absolutely absolutely and and yeah it has been a journey I think if you're a Taylor fan I mean I was a fan from Red onwards and you know, it's been years now. See, this is the thing. Like, I went recently to the Troxy to Swiftageddon, which I don't know if you've been to. <laughs> I haven't. It's a real riot. It's, I think it's like 12 quid a ticket. And it's just, you know, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Just Taylor Swift songs. Wow. And me and my brother and two friends went. And uh, my brother's an, an enormous Swift fan. So he's like really looking forward to this, <laughs> to this episode. Um, but... I couldn't believe that I was in this place for hours and hours and hours and it, the songs didn't repeat once and there was no like, oh, the DJ is doing a funny remix of this song or whatever. It's the whole, it was just the songs. Wow. And they were all great. You could dance to all of them or you could do sort of white girl clutching your chest, closing your eyes and singing up to the ceiling sort of dancing, yeah, which yeah, I also well. love. <laughs> And like, I just kept saying, she's our age. Oh, oh, yeah. How can someone our age have this many bangers? I mean, that alone. It's phenomenal. Who? I mean, there aren't many artists who could fill a club just by, with someone pressing like play. Just the, literally, yeah. there were some confetti cannons and some sort of um, uh, placards and things. But like, other than that, there was really yeah. no bells yeah. and whistles. Yeah. She is a phenomenon. I think you used that word to me when we were um, talking over email. She is. And she's prolific. And I, I mean, that kind of, I think, marks her as a, so many of the greats I really admire, like people like Bruce Springsteen, they're prolific. Mm. They write so many songs. I mean, the the new Red Taylor's version, you know. Yeah, there's a lot, 30, so much new material on there. songs. I mean, yeah, she's, it's almost, you, you imagine it's something she can't help but do, yeah. you know, and it's how she understands the experience of, of living is through putting it in a song, which she, you know, I think you you do hear her life through her songs. Um, but yeah, she's a phenomena. And I think, I think uh, you, it's, it's, it's so interesting, kind of what you said at first. It's so easy to forget, you know, one of the richest women in America. Yeah. Um, because she still kind of does that kind of like, oh, I'm just little Taylor yeah. here with my cats, you know, like... <laughs> Just here and here of my here baking with my best friend. You know, I'm just like you. <laughs> yes. Uh, and there's the you know, and I think um, it, she she kind of shies away. She doesn't do so much. She doesn't present herself very often as this kind of you know international global megastar. Yeah, it's not the Beyonce thing where where Beyonce has this thing where she projects, I'm not like you. I am an untouchable God and find inspiration in my human godliness. 
which I really respect, and <laughs> yeah. which is why Beyonce has to go away for years at a time, right? Yes. Because if she was being a god on Earth all the time, we would be knackered by it. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Whereas, you know, Taylor is literally like, here's my diary. Yeah. You know, yeah. Here, here, like my fans, you know, her love affair with her fans, which I think is is why the Swifties are the way they are. Um, and that is something I have never got into. You know, I like to think of like my relationship with Taylor is like, if I have if I have the faith, I don't have the religion. You know, like oh. it's very private, and yeah. I don't. I, I, I had a That's good way of putting it. I, I had a I tr- I tried to start a group, a WhatsApp group, with two other friends who are the biggest Swift fans I know, and they actually left our group of three. Both of them, yeah, so just you to, and your own. To, to, to start another group with like far more committed. Oh. Easter egg finding. Oh, I see. Fans. That I find very boring. Actually, yeah. do you? No, see, I'm, I think I'm similar to you in that I I love to love things passionately and find great meaning in them and applying them to my own life and and feeling it. But uh, finding sort of background details in music videos that relate to something else and like oh the number thirteen is th-, like that really bores me because to me it's a form of bird watching and not a form of fandom. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. It, it's not. It just. It's the music, you know, it's like my ultimate Taylor experience is walking somewhere on my own with her in my ears. And that's it. I I really don't care if, you know, three albums ago she hinted that, you know, in nine days time, you know, (laughs) times 15 on the day she was born. Like none of that. Um, So I was kind of uh, I was rejected from the group. But yeah, it's um, it's it it does. it, It has felt very personal, actually my relationship with Taylor which is an insane sentence to say but actually if I think back all the years that I've been listening to her she's she's she has been the soundtrack always yeah. there has been other soundtracks but she has always been there I would I'd like to bring you back to I think it was the year 2016 <laughs> when you and I were working together is it 16 to or two I don't know we were probably Some working together in 2016. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I, my experience with Taylor Swift was um, I was a Kanye West fan. So mm. I didn't care kind of thing. I, wow. I, I really just didn't care at all. I sort of saw her as a footnote in the grand narrative of my man Kanye's life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not that, I, I, not that I didn't think that was like, you know, obviously that was a shit thing that happened to yeah. her. And a funny way for her to be launched on the um, sort of international stage. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I regard And I sort of like just wasn't arsed, really. But you were the first Swifty I ever met, really. You were the first person who was like, no, this is like really means something to me. And this is like quite a big part of if you want to understand me, your co-worker, Marisa Bate, you will have to on some level understand Taylor Swift also. <laughs> Not that you were in your face about it, but just that you referenced her a lot. You referenced the music a lot. Like I could see that in your own aesthetic, it was like coming through as well. And I always found that very interesting about you because I always, you know, you're a couple of years older than I am and you were more senior than me in that office. So I was like, it's a very serious lady journalist <laughs> who just bloody loves Taylor Swift. <laughs> that's a nice, that's a nice bio. I will, <laughs> I, I will go with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's so interesting you kind of say that because I think, I felt that it was a slightly childish, like maybe embarrassing side of me. You know, I'd grown up with 
um, my mum and my brother who just kind of relentlessly liked cool music and I was yeah. played cool music and everything was really fucking cool all the time. And that's fine. <laughs> if you like but, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it was there was no room for, apart yeah. from ABBA, there was no room for like, just loving something that wasn't cool. No, I, I do get that hugely. <laughs> and Taylor was my thing that I could love that I knew wasn't cool, but it didn't matter because, um, yeah, she did She did speak to me and I think I did feel like I'd found something that felt like mine and something that, you know, I always felt like a lot of her songs and lyrics were kind of permission-giving, or, In what way? Well, that she, she, I think, you know, it's interesting that I was getting into Taylor when I was at the pool and we were, you know, all day long, we were writing about sexism and feminism and mm-hmm. all those conversations and it was that era, it was me too, it was all those we, things. We were really bang, bang in the middle of we, a real movement that I now realise is dead. It is, <laughs> it is very much dead and actually I think there was a backlash, but we were really, like, we were in the middle of that movement and I think she, I think one of the things about her lyrics that spoke to me was this kind of validation and elevation of feelings which are so easily ridiculed Mm. often feeling feelings about boys you know feelings about men feelings about somebody you've dated for three months who lots of people are going to roll their eyes and say that doesn't mean anything or or he's so clearly being a douche that what are you even? What did you think was there's here? A, there's a great many songs just dedicated to the art of loving douches. There Do you know what really mean? is, and and not yeah, not only that, but sort of um, suggesting that your experience, however however painful you may have found it, is a valid one and a true one, and they probably need to know about it, and you have every right to feel like that, and you have every right to kind of feel righteous and feel heartbroken and feel dramatic and it just felt that you know it really felt that some there was a kind of articulation of this period where I was just dating you know really subpar kind of (laughs) men one after the other and she would just this thing that could have so easily just been looked over she found a way to kind of give space to and give um you know, importance to, and that felt very comforting. And I think, you know, you, I think that that can sound. I could imagine, you know, well, so what? But actually, the validation of young women's feelings is really important. It is, and so overlooked and intentionally overlooked. And you know, not only would she sort of say, yes, you know, there's a righteous anger here because you were wronged because you entered this agreement, and the other person didn't do what they said they were going to do. She completely, I think, you know, one of the things I think she does best, which I think is all too well is about, is completely saying, no, no, no. Like, I know how this went down. I was there. You are trying to give me a narrative that I know is untrue. Mm. You are trying to paint me as some crazy young woman who's obsessive. I know, you know, there's there's a rejection of this common narrative that we should doubt young women and doubt their experiences and, oh, they probably were this, they were probably that. They... And she absolutely defends the kind of reality or at least the reality to you. Yeah. And I think that that kind of, um, you know, it felt so honourable and it felt so... And she does it so well, you know. Mm. She does it so well. 
the right. She's, she's bloody good at her job. Yeah, she? yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the thing with Taylor is that, and the thing is, so you've um, given me a list of some of your favourite songs that you see as quintessential to your Swift fandom. And All Too Well was number one on the list. And I'm so glad it's number one on the list because it means like we can give it all the weight it deserves. Because I do think it is her best song. A song so good she wrote it twice and both <laughs> versions are great but it's this thing with um with taylor and i think it is her kind of magic where she she writes sort of like quite simple toe tappy pop songs but within those pop songs are this real emotional specificity but also enormous melodrama mm. this thing of like this this weighing up of tiny little details that only you would remember if you were there which is why people love the whole things about scarves and keychains and, and all that kind yeah. of gumph. But it's also just these, the enormity of the feeling. Yes. And you can think you're like, oh, I'm just going to walk my dog and plop on my headphones and listen to Taylor Swift. And then you're just winded by feeling. You are. You are swept away somewhere. I mean, that's that's a really uh, great observation. I think that's really true. And and those details are really interesting because although they're so specific to her, we all have a version of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, that we've all got a keychain or a scarf or something, you know, that could tell this whole epic love story about the person who broke your heart. And yes, the the melodrama, and she and she allows the melodrama the space. You know, she respects the melodrama. Yes. She is not is melodrama without being like without the kind of campness or the you know there's just this kind of like unapologetic uh, this is how I felt and these feelings were huge you know and I when I when I listened to Folklore and Evermore in yeah. uh, lockdown which was obviously a strange time anyway wandering around the streets of Beckham for hours I mean I felt like I'd just broken up with someone I hadn't you know I felt like I needed to start writing poetry I don't write poetry you know I just was so washed away with these these incredible feelings and yeah she she does have that I mean one of the th- great things she is which I think that speaks to she's a storyteller and mm. that's what I like about her you know um she she will never be the world's greatest singer, vocalist. She's an incredible storyteller. She tells stories in phrases. You know, she tells stories in clever wordplay. She tells stories within stories within stories, especially in the later records. Um, and, you know, as someone who uh, enjoys words a lot, that is so much of the pleasure to discover more words within the all too well you know to oh the more God. phrases that were which was so wonderful to find yeah. even more more wordplay and for sometimes on all too well it does sound like just word association doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah I'm good telling jokes but the punchline yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, like, what's the word that goes with jokes punch all right it sounds yeah. like almost like very yeah. slow rapping yeah. <laughs> slow freestyling <laughs> but then i think there's more you know there's a line in in the taylor's version you know about how you know, she's imagining the girlfriend that he, that he would have that isn't her, who's mm. not weeping in the bathroom, but is a, a jewel whose light reflects on you. You know, and that is yeah. just so smart. And I just, I just, when I heard that version of it, you go on such a journey. There's the the lyrics, the the kind of emotional journey of of the music. And she was what? How old the fuck? Like, was she? Like, I mean, yeah. it blows my mind that she was so self-aware um, and so perceptive and could write something, I think, pretty restrained that wasn't basically just fuck you, yeah, you know, and was so um, considered. I just think her, you know, it's interesting because there is a childness 
a childlike quality to Taylor's music, I think, into quite poppy, it's fun. But there's a, there's a perceptiveness, which I think really belies her years. You know, there's something, like nothing new I put yeah. on my list to you, which she wrote uh, when she wrote Red, but only released on this new version of Red. Um, I'd, I'd love to talk about these songs in conjunction for a little bit because like the thing about All Too Well is that she wrote it when she was 22 and then she rewrote it when she was 32 mm-hmm. you know I mean we're supposed to sort of believe this myth that this was the original version yeah I, I was believing that myth I, no? I'm telling you why I don't believe it <laughs> so I think like All Too Well it, like it's like such a sleeper anthem right it was an album track that just gained sort of like such an enormous support <sighs> And and it was became that thing where she would sort of wink to the audience during a live show, be like, I know you want this one, which is why I've left it to the encore, the double encore or whatever. And so it became this real fan track, I think. It's how that was sort of the mark of a real fan was how much you cared about all too well in the years following Red. And it's you know, it's like it's this very beautiful song about um what it is to end a relationship, be haunted by the memories and not be able to almost confirm with that person that your reality was the same reality, right? And 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 constantly going over that. And But then also with sort of reprised 10 minute long version that I believe was written recently. <laughs> oh, don't say that. It's this thing of like, it's revisiting that same set of memories and seeing your behavior correctly and everything and seeing his behavior, but with the new lens of the realization of like, oh, fuck. I was 22 mm. and he was in his 30s and that didn't seem like a big big problem then because we were both famous people and only famous people can date famous people but now I I'm, I'm starting to unfold and realize and pick away the 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 inequality the the exploitation the power dynamics at play and I do think that's a a set of memories that's coming that comes for every woman eventually mm. like we all have a relationship a bit like that mm-hmm. and um we all have to sort of analyze it in therapy or through songs or wherever. And similarly with Begin Again, it was like this very mournful song that she wrote at 22 about how she could never be 18 again. But then with the, with the Phoebe Bridgers re-release. Nothing new. Oh, sorry. I mean, nothing Nothing new. new. Yeah. With nothing new, she gets Phoebe Bridgers to join her on the new version of Red. And it's like, oh, it's, it's like a torch passing. And Phoebe Bridgers, who is like the girl of the moment, knowing that her moment is brief, you know, it's like you're ta- you're passing the torch, and the torch is already going out as in the passing, you know. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it is. It's so, and it, and all of that's happening. Yet the, they singing so softly. I mean, yeah. Phoebe Bridgers has that voice, but it, Taylor's singing softly, and it's quite a kind of simple, quiet song. And, you know, in the, the well, there's a lyric about kind of waking up. She's waking up in the middle of the night and this is what she thinks about. And it really feels like that kind of intimate, quiet moment where she's alone in the dark thinking, shit. And then to kind of re-emphasize that happening in real time with Phoebe Bridges. But yeah. again, to like, to have that level of self-awareness and to to understand the kind of fragility of her success because I mean that song is very much about being a young woman Mm. um, and the sexism and and how she will be celebrated one minute and then and then she'll be over and you know there's a line about will you will you remember me once you've driven me out yeah and she was so very nearly driven out um on multiple occasions I would say yeah and yeah no it's it's really tender and I think to then share that moment with the new young thing 
yeah. to kind of actually admit, you know, in the song, it's, it's kind of already happened. Like I can never be that again. And I think it's obviously very personal to to Taylor and these young singer songwriters. But actually, there that's such a kind of that's, that's a kind of an idea. I think more generally with it that we have these kind of, especially as women, that we have these these brief moments of mm. when we're at our best, you know? When we're, you know, when we're supple and young and <laughs> all these things and then it's gone and then we're driven out because we're over 35 and nobody cares anymore. Or, and so, yeah, I just think, like, to, to articulate that fear. I mean, it's very candid as well. I think it's very brave to sort of say, how long have I got? And to say it at so young, yes. like, to f- feel so... I mean, I guess, you know, she has a different set of experiences in that I think she she was on the road from like a crazy young age, so had lived a lot of life by the time she was 22. But I think there is this consistent thing with Taylor. And I remember the first time I'd ever found out who she was, I was reading a music magazine and there was an interview with her, kind of like, who is Taylor Swift kind of thing? And um, the music journalist was kind of saying, was interviewing her and she was saying like, you know, oh, I'm just really hoping that I can you know, have a relationship that can work and I can, I've got a crazy schedule, but I'm really hoping that, you know, to make it work with somebody or whatever. And the musician has been like, she's 19. Why is she like this, like acting like she's 37 and only a couple of years left to have children or something, you know? This sense of like, there is this weird combination of like childlike innocence, but also a thousand years old. Yes. Yeah. Well, she has that. I mean, I guess that, that is one of the hallmarks of her being a kind of, you know, these people who are set up for it. Like she convinced her parents to move to Nashville, yeah. didn't she? When I mean, like they were in the, I think they were in the Midwest somewhere, and she she moves them to Nashville when she was about fifteen. And I mean, it's it's a it's a long it's been a long game. I mean, she's been a professional for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so there probably is this kind of world weariness to, you know, and again, in that Netflix documentary, there's a bit where she she's saying to somebody, I can't remember who, I know my schedule for the next two or three years is planned. Like someone could tell you where I will be yeah. in three uh. years time. Um, and I, and I, for somebody... There's no way for a young woman to live. <laughs> for someone who's so clearly preoccupied with love, you know. Yes. And it, it, love is her great muse, really, isn't it? She she has written about other things and so, and sometimes very successfully like the song about her grandmother Marjorie is, is beautiful mm. but really it's her songs about relationships which yeah. fans love and yet she was existing in a world for so many reasons where they were doomed you know um, because of the press because of her schedule uh, because of her fame you know so yeah a really interesting thing to kind of chase I think as a writer this thing that you can't actually really get a handle on what do you think about the whole like this was definitely a narrative that i think probably helped with the how defensive that the swifties and swift fans sort of like got which was that the the sense of oh taylor swift must be crazy because she can't hold down a man kind of thing i think it's really unfair because bloody hell like if you'd seen my dating (laughs) dating record uh on hinge and uh you know a certain certain kind of two or three year period, I would be clinically insane, you know, by that by that kind of measurement. Um, it is it's sexism, and I think you know every it's sexism is high profile. It's like you know every 
every kind of casual thing was reported in the press. So suddenly it's a boyfriend, but was it really a boyfriend or did they just kind of hang out for a few months? Yeah. You know, I just think um, there are a lot of double standards there. You know, I, I don't... It's, it's just nuts to me that we have lived through so many um, waves of of the Taylor Swift gossip sort of yeah. rag thing. I don't know if you'll remember this. It's a very clear memory in my head. <laughs> and when I think of, of you, it's one of the main ones. <laughs> Nervous. Nervous. But it was during that um, 1989 um, tour. Yeah. Um, where every night she had a new guest on stage and you and I had to report on it. And, <laughs> and she was friends with Carly Kloss and a, a Jenner probably. Yeah. And um, the Hadids and all these just Everyone. like the, 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 the leggiest women in show yeah. business. The leggiest young women. And also Brian Adams I seem to remember. And, Brian, <laughs> and like um, Joan Baez. <laughs> <laughs> that was way more interesting to me. But yeah, yeah and, I remember. And, and this had because the 1989 tour went on for so long and that that is when I got involved with Taylor actually was, there was that album I, I totally fell in love with it and have been a Swifty ever since um, but it was a tour that went on and on and on mm. and the sort of endless pap shots of Taylor linking arms the with squad the with girls her, squad yes yeah. the girls squad going into VIP areas I remember one day you closing your MacBook and you just said, I'm done. I'm done with Taylor. I can't do it anymore. I can't do this sort of like weird girl squad thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Day? Yeah. I had a few of those moments. You know, <laughs> I, I definitely had a few of those moments. There was the squad. There was when she sued um, or her people sued. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A blogger who had about 200 followers on Twitter. She, yeah, she, she, there's been some, there's pops off at random people well, sometimes. You know, to get her, you know, you could imagine her team of lawyers, probably 20 of them or something yeah. going after some, you know, but so, um, yeah, there has definitely been some moments. And the squad was, the squad, I always actually felt really cringy about the squad because it was clearly like somebody who had never been popular at school was finally popular. Yeah. And it just, it was so unnecessary. It's like, you're so famous and rich. And I'm sh like, you don't, we believe you have friends. Like, we believe <laughs> you. Like, I'm sure you know famous people. And yeah, it, and it was this, it was this, the worst version of what, 
of that moment we were in was that female empowerment was just women walking together towards a camera. You women know. acquiring capital <laughs> yeah, is right. feminism. Right. Indi- you know, women, individual women getting rich and then looking, you know, completely, unre- you know, completely un- unreal and all walking together in slow motion was meant to kind of surmise this moment of of a new, you know, wave of feminism. And, and I just hated it. I hated every inch of it. It was all... It was also false and it was also meaningless and it was counter to what I felt at the time were actually very important conversations. And it was just like, no, because the tailor I had fallen in love with was the red tailor who I saw when I saw her on her red tour in London. She had on like an Abbey Road T-shirt and denim shorts and flat shoes and just really looked like she could have been in the audience. Yeah. And then she kind of morphed into this like pop star, like Wonder Woman type thing. And, you know, I just, I didn't like it. Um, I don't think you were alone in that, actually. I, I do remember this, this prickle of backlash happening around then. And I do understand it because it's the sense of like all these women who, and like what's, what's sweet as well is that when Red came out, if we think of millennial women, we all would have been in our early 20s kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is generally when you have your first huge breakup. Mm-hmm. And uh, millions of women survived that breakup with Red jammed in their ears and um, pretending that they were walking through an autumn forest with their best friend Taylor, who's only their friend. And then suddenly to have that same friend seem like Regina George, <laughs> just like stomping around with the Hadids. It was like, yeah. no, you've yes. forgotten me. Exactly. <laughs> it felt a little bit of a betrayal of who you thought you were as a Taylor fan. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ta- like, she made no kind of secret of being a bit of an outsider. I mean, as much as, like, as, a, much as a tall she, blonde yeah, woman. Exactly. <laughs> but not really feeling like she had you know being a bit of a outsider at school and she, and feeling a bit different from others again as much as she <laughs> is possible and then she but that's what i mean it was like she'd seemed to like oh i found a way to hang out with the cool girls and now i'm going to forget all of you losers and i'm just going to like hang over here with cara delavine and it just felt really disappointing and it you know again it was like oh taylor's being uncool again you know please taylor just you know just be naturally uncool and then i like you but this kind of forced you know it just all felt very um like like the me video yeah that was hard to take wasn't it that was a rough toke <laughs> and there are these moments and i you know there's part of me i guess that applauds her for for moving her music on and trying to write yeah. a different kind of thing and all of that stuff. But it, yeah, that that was definitely a moment like, oh, no, no, no. What are you doing? And like, I can't follow you here. Yeah. You know, I can't go here. I can buy a Baker Boy hat <laughs> yeah. and a scarf, but yeah. I can't do this. I cannot do this. And yeah, it just it just felt a bit silly and unnecessary. And I think, you know, again, with the when she was suing that blogger, I was like, you pretend that you're like everyone else with your baking, but you are a multi-millionaire. Why are you suing somebody who probably earns less than, you know, $20,000 a year? It's just distasteful and inappropriate. And and actually, she was getting sued because they'd written this whole, which <laughs> is a bit far-fetched, uh, this whole post about how um, 1989 was full of alt-right references 
I remember that this is another moment in the tale of this course when she's a serious secretly an she's Aryan a secret Nazi and, yeah. and in one of her videos she was wearing leather which they said was like Hitler I mean, absolutely nuts it was it was clearly nuts but then it was then it was like well she still wasn't really saying anything at this point so instead of suing this individual yeah she could have just said instead of being silent she could have just kind of made her opinions on things that are really not that controversial. <laughs> no, just, I am not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not an all right, you know, I'm not a, you know, racist. I'm not these things. I remember this moment of the discourse very well because like, I remember it was like all these sort of Jezebel and we probably reported on it too. Because nothing was beneath us. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> you could probably sense that uh, me, and, me and Marisa have like fairly checkered uh, memories of our feminist media past um, but it was like okay there's like this whole sort of um, alt-right movement online that has begun to idolise Taylor Swift because of her sort of blonde Germanic looks or whatever and um, that's creepy sure yeah. and and because she's from the south and all, all these all these reasons um, and we reported on that we and people like us reported on that and then the story kind of didn't go anywhere. So then people started demanding, well, why hasn't Taylor said anything? And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> is it her job? I mean, it's, I mean, absolutely. But then the suing just felt like a completely... No, that was a mad reaction. Reaction. Like, yeah. it's not her job. Of course, like, if you're that famous, you cannot possibly be expected to defend yourself against, you know, especially those corners of the internet, which is so dogged and so extreme and so ridiculous. And and you just want to stay as far away as possible, <laughs> but the 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 army of lawyers, I just, that I really remember just being like, no 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 no, 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 no I can't do this. Um, but again, I think she's definitely moved away from those uh, moments. You know, as she's got older, and actually as I've got older, I'm much more forgiving towards her, and I expect less from her. I expect much less. Yes. That's the main lesson of female celebrity, I think. It's like, when I think of all those people like Taylor Swift and Lena Dunham and all these people. It's like, we expected so much from women in their mid-20s. Yeah, I mean, what did they owe us? What? No, they, they, they were making this wonderful art that was for and about us. And we just spat in their faces. I know. And I mean, that we do that with any, uh, you know, we, we put these people on, these, on the pedestals, don't we? And then we... And then we throw rocks at the pedestals. I, but yeah, like, I don't know what we, I don't know what I expected from her. I don't know why I felt she should do better by me. Like, you That's know. That's the thing. It's the whole thing of the parasocial relationship. When when you tell your fans sort of um, intricate details about your personal life and give them songs about it and you make them feel that like you are a family. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, yeah. And also when you're a fan, which is your choice, but you've invested <laughs> so many cho- totally hours. Choice. <laughs> you've invested so many hours listening to this woman and you begin to trust her in this weird way. And then she does something that you you really object to. And you're like, hang on a minute. You know, I'm not very good at separating art from artists. I mean, that's a much bigger conversation. And, and you know, but, and I also, sometimes, you know, I was thinking about this all the way <laughs> Taylor's crimes, of which she's apologized, you know, I feel like she's been criticized for this and this and this and this and this and this. You know, none of them are criminal. None no. of them are violent. She's never even like drunkenly fallen out of a car. You know? It's just it's always like, behaving a bit bizarrely. It is. Like she really she she hasn't ever done anything unspeakably awful. And um, yet there was years there. And yet you still have this like, oh, can I 
you know, should I show my allegiance yeah. with her? Because am I, what does that say about me? And actually I was thinking, well, was she ever really, you know, like Lena Dunham, for example, was famously yeah. like had to apologize. Like, yeah. There's whole lists on the internet of the, <laughs> the time she's had to apologize for ridiculous things and offensive things she said. And I think there was um, the Shake Off video Taylor had to apologize um, for stereotyping, racial stereotyping with some oh, of the dancers. Um, but, you know, and she did apologize. And I just, you know, I mean, I hate to sound like the pool circa 2017, <laughs> but, you know, compared to her, compare her crimes. Mel Gibson is still <laughs> making films. Yeah, well, Mel I mean, Gibson where do you is want to start? We could just films. list them. We know, could just I list know. them all. But do you um, know what we should get back into instead? The music, because we haven't talked about that in a while. Well, the next songs I would like to talk about on your list is a, is a Toosie. Which is the Archer mm. and 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 Mirrorball <sighs> because I think they're companion pieces. <laughs> oh, interesting! Tell me why. My favorite of the sort of latest Taylor era, kind of lover. Like the thing is, like the the pandemic has done things to Taylor as it has done things to us, and I think um, sort of lover onwards, we're seeing a lot of self reflection on what it is to be um, this global megastar, and the thing about. Both of them, both songs, is this sense of I have been playing the part of Taylor Swift for so long that I don't know how to be a human being and I'm afraid that has made me unlovable. Like, this is the cost of being an overachiever kind of thing. And it really gets me. Yeah, you, you, you look like you might be welling up. It really gets me. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, she's it's part of her skill, I think, as a writer is her vulnerability. Her, you know, you really feel, uh, you really feel her feelings, and then you feel all your own feelings. And yeah, the 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 line in the Archer is, um, "Who could ever leave me? But who could ever um, stay?" Yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 crushing, isn't it? It's absolutely crushing, and and um, all of and, my heroes they die all alone. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, and she, you know, it, the the even the sat like it is this haunting. You know, and she wakes again. It's in the middle of the night, isn't there? And she's seeing ghosts, and yeah, there's this haunting. Her, she's being haunted by her her fear of being alone. And I think, you know, she then what you and Mirable is not that feeling so much, but this like I'm constantly performing. I'm yeah. constantly performing for for my fans, for you. I'm constantly trying to make people love me. Um, and what happens when the circus goes home? And it's just me. <sighs> And yeah, I think um, I find it very moving. It is, it is really moving because <laughs> I feel like I. Uh, this is the thing; these songs I relate to more because I like feel like as someone who uh, fills their days with uh, trying to put as much podcasts and novels into them as possible. I'm like, oh, does anyone like? Does anyone like me yet? <laughs> kind of thing. And that the line that always gets me, and I have a bit of an episode when I'm when I'm writing, <laughs> I'm walking the dog, listening to it. It's, she says, um, when no one is around, my dear, you'll find me on my tallest tips, uh, tiptoes and my highest heels. And that thing of like, she doesn't know how to switch it off anymore. Like why, when she's by herself, she's still like tiptoes, high heels. Do you know what I mean? And I find that really relatable. Like sometimes I don't know when I'm doing a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's... There's, there's a there's a it's the it's the price of ambition isn't it yeah. it's the price of of following your dreams you know and it's the she's so good at what she does but what is the cost of that and the loneliness of being that 
kind of special I guess in terms of you know that famous and that you know there's only one Taylor Swift and that there's, there's a loneliness in those songs um which which is really sad and it's it's it is this thing it, it's very sad but narratively very satisfying yeah. of this thing of we've watched her for so long of like this this sort of breakout country star who pursues this level of pop stardom that had like reached this ascendancy point during 1989 and then reputation obviously was like mm, I'm bad now kind of thing yeah. but it was kind of the same thing it was like I'm a pop star who does like choreographed dance and huge live shows and it's not just me and my guitar anymore and she was obviously off like a rocket towards something she had some point in her own head she must have had of what she was looking to achieve and now she's on the other side of it mm. on the climb down of being like oh she has everything in the world and it's um, lonely and sad <laughs> and I, she has to convince Joelle when that she's normal <laughs> which I think she looks like she has yeah looks like she has but I, I also found in in particularly the Archer actually something relatable not in you know the feeling that like you know it's, it's lonely at the top <laughs> but um, in that feeling of because in those years in those dating years I felt pretty unlovable, which I think a lot of women do, a lot of mm. people do, until you find somebody who you click with. And I would just be going on these dates and I'd just be like, I'd get, I'd be like, fuck, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And yet, if you are a certain age, you know, at least I was brought up, you know, by this very, you know, proud single mum who was like, you're the best. Anyone is lucky to have you. Yeah. And yet I'd go into the world and i I just like I've got nothing to say to these people. They don't seem to understand me. They don't get my humor. They don't get my passion. They don't get, and I really felt that like, well, hang on, why aren't you here? But then why, but why would you be here? Oh. And I really felt that. And I think that's what has kept me, my my fandom is that there's always a lyric where I'm like, yes, that is it. That is how that I is feel. It, yeah. And I think you know, for her, that I think you're right. Those those songs are about her career but I actually think that's relatable again you know I think it's the and I don't know if that's intentional I just think often with great stories they are told specifically to the person telling them but the way in which they are told we can all find something in them mm. and I think that's that's so true to, to me is that you know and I think there will always be a part of that that me that feels like that disconnect um you know I have these qualities but then I don't have these qualities and where does that leave me? And yeah, that that song, I remember when that, I was working, I was like doing shifts, freelance shifts in an office and it was bored as fuck and I was like, and I just went in, I just played that song over and over. Like Archer. All, yeah, yeah, just all day. Um, all day. I mean, I didn't do anything <laughs> else. Um, and then I think, you know, Again, like one of the other, it's really nice she put these songs together because the, the thing she does really well is her imagery. Yeah, yeah. And the imagery in that and then then in Mirable is just beautiful, you know. It's so beautiful how she captures those moments. Um, and, and like dreamy while being very grounded at the same yeah. time. Like you can definitely see an entire scene. Yes. You know, um, yeah. It's amazing how she can do these like quite abstract very pictorial things while still having a grounded and absolute feeling you know what I mean yes I've been the archer I've been the prey and you're kind of in the sort of like Katniss Everdeen sort of a world but yeah you still totally get it you know yes exactly there's something so 
inclusive about like how she is singing about being a world famous pop star and yeah. yet we both are like we so <laughs> <I> relate <laughs> like, me and my podcast yeah. I understand yeah it's the same Taylor another song you included that's one of my absolute favorites is Out of the Woods what made mm. you choose it one of the reasons I chose it is because I remember just listening to it and being like oh, Taylor where are we going? Who are you yeah. now? Yeah. Like, yeah. what's happened? And being really excited by it, but like, you know, um, just thinking, instantly thinking it was awesome and very cool and fun, but just different. Mm. And the the urgency in it, you know, that panic, you know, that yeah. panic again. It's the delivery, isn't it? Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. The, the panic, like, when is this going to be okay? Like, the, I mean, I've had women talk to me about that feeling for hours, you know, like... You know, that kind of, does does this mean this? Does this mean this? When's he going to message? He hasn't messaged. Like, that, like, yeah. wh- where are, like, oh, you know, are we out of the woods? It was just that feeling that she, you know, put into this kind of frenetic, like, three-minute pop song. Um, I just, and then this kind of move away in a way that I felt was, of you know, poppy and bold, but felt to me kind of just all of her like great storytelling the feeling you know it didn't feel too generic or kind of I don't know like some of her other big poppy songs I, re- I remember the summer of of 1989 and particularly that song which I think was the lead single mm. um coming out it it really did feel like the summer of Taylor mm. um and it felt like that album was everywhere it, and like, is that is so rare because with Spotify and everything it's just incredibly rare that you have everyone listening to the same thing at once mm-hmm. and that was one of those moments where everybody loved it and like I was still working in advertising and having that album on every Friday night and I was sort of falling in love with Gav at the same time mm-hmm. and it was that kind of rocky beginning of the relationship where you're drinking a lot and you're shagging a lot but you're also fighting a lot and thinking that every fight is going to um, break new ground and break new territory and put you in a new place. And that sort of, oh, we yeah, there was that, like, it is like it's a hyperventilation of a song yeah. of, of like trying to convince yourself that you've found a new, clear and simple place with a partner. And, and I mean, it worked for me, but for most people, it, it doesn't. No, you know? no. And I think, you know, in the song, there are these just these moments that she clings to, you know, you yes. know, when he's in the hospital or, the, the, you know, when they push the sofas and dance. Oh. And, you know and they're tiny moments and that's what you do when when you're in a situation where which is so insecure and so undefined and ultimately so unpleasant you latch onto these tiny moments where you can say no but look look we had real clarity this is a thing this is a thing and so you know and you exist you know you kind of think oh no it's okay because of this and you persuade yourself and yeah she just encapsulated that and you know I've just I've known it I've known so many women who've known it like there it was, and and in this kind of new sound, I was just like, yes. It, sh- it should be the anthem of women in relationships who have allowed polyamory for a short time. <laughs> <laughs> or just, yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of the dates. This will fix it. This will fix <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, like one of the dating apps should have it as like when you open up the app, it should just like start playing because that's that's the general vibe. Yeah, incredible. And and then. And then actually, it's my it's my gym song. Like I always, really? yeah, yeah. A lot of them are my gym. I mean, she's my every song, like my every occasion. But um, yeah, I just I just know that if I put that song on, like I'm because there is I can skip a Taylor track, you know. Oh yeah. That, oh, we all can. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not that one. That that song she did with the Haim sisters. That's a skip for mm. me. That's a hard skip. <laughs> 
You shouldn't always work with your friends. I mean, no, and I love the home sisters. Yeah, so do I. So do I. Oh yeah, there is some, there is some uh, misses, but that's okay. You know, yeah. that's okay. Another inclusion I was surprised by on your list was "Getaway Car," the mm. only song from the Reputation album. Yeah. The Reputation era was a strange moment. It was, it, you know, it was, and and she, and she kind of, I think she alludes to that, doesn't she, a little bit? Um, <laughs> I feel like she knows. Yeah, and it, you know, she she had to get that shit out, you know, and she did got it off her chest, and she did it. I think that's a great. I think it has similar energy, and it's a great story. Like I love, I yeah. love how she's kind of taken a misguided fling. And you know has got all the kind of imagery of a of a motel and a getaway bag and, and story, the, yeah. yeah. And I love how she does it live, um, where kind of she introduces it with this film of a car kind of going across the desert, and she just turns this like flippant kind of mistake into this kind of movie, mm. you know. And there's a lovely, lovely pace, and yeah, I, you know, I just. I love the drama of it. I love the drama. And I love kind of how she takes something that could be a mistake and actually kind of says, no, it's okay because there's a story there, you know? And I think that's quite comforting. That's you know, like, you know, like we've all made, we've had these, we've done these things and, but they, they're stories that we'll take with us and they tell us something about ourselves and we've learned something from it. And, you know, yeah, I kind of, I just thought it was, it was it was also cinematic. I just thought it was cool. I love it. I there's some some real spots where I really enjoy that album. Um, not a lot. <laughs> yeah, moments. Not there's some really bad songs on that record. That that Endgame song. <laughs> it's a it's a she's veered too far into a territory that doesn't belong to her. It's like give that to Little Mix. Yeah. That is a fine song for Little Mix to sing. Yeah, and you know she's she is a writer, isn't she? For other. Yeah. People. So yeah. yeah, I feel like they probably were like, okay, Taylor, you know, Taylor needs to do what Taylor needs to do right now. What I do love about it. that era, though, is the sheer extraness of it, because there was that fabulous day to be online when um, she had talked about Kanye West and that whole moment or whatever. And um, about about how he called her out in the song saying, I made that bitch famous. And then she accepted an award saying, if people try... And blah blah blah, fuck Kanye West kind of thing. And then Kim Kardashian West <laughs> released a video of her leaving a voicemail <laughs> saying to Kanye, "Thank you for the flowers" or whatever. And this like blew up the internet, not because it was a good story particularly, but because of the fame of all three people yeah. involved. Just like boiled over everything. And then she wrote an entire album in response. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's really, I mean, like what she did to Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, she, you know, yes, I think, I think actually probably what Taylor has done most successfully is hidden the fact probably about how strategic she has been about brand Taylor. Mm. And that has been a very concerted effort from day one. And along comes two of the world's most famous people and says, no, no. Yeah. All that stuff is bullshit. She's a liar. And, um, you know, because that's what Kim Kardashian was calling her, a liar. Yeah. Um, which seemingly then another thing was released, like, more recently and she wasn't lying. Oh, yeah, Taylor was like, where did I say it was okay to call me a bitch in your song? <laughs> yeah. Which, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of understand if you are that 
if you're that famous, you're probably exceptionally concerned and in control of how the world perceives you. And Which is something she's had great fun with as well. Like stuff yes. like Blank Space and the videos that go with it yes, are just fabulous. She cle- yes, she totally does. And she sees the injustice of it and she plays with that. But she recognises that. And then there was this perception and she'd gone from Golden Girl mm. to, you know, this kind of... I mean, she, I like... <laughs> I mean, people only ever ask me to talk about Taylor Swift. Like, I was asked on... I remember I was in Soho having drinks with friends and I was asked to go on Radio 4... Oh, my gosh. ...on a night, like a 10pm news programme to talk about the fact Taylor Swift had allowed Instagram to turn off her comments. Oh, I do remember that. It is mad how much we know. Because um, she was being flooded with snake emojis. (laughs) It's exactly like racial bile, is it? Like... Um, so she she went from yeah golden girl to this this hated um, you know she says something like you know people don't understand what it's like to have millions of people around the world mm. effectively tell you to kill yourself mm. um, and so I can understand that the response to Kanye was going to be big um, uh, you know I don't think you become that famous and then and then feel kind of okay when someone like basically makes a mockery of you and and tries to claim your success and uh you know is misogynistic and calls you a liar but yeah i mean i guess i don't know did she, she, she did i didn't ask you to come on here to defend her <laughs> no no and i they can't, they, i mean ultimately ultimately like what like Kanye was much older than her when he went on stage and oh yeah you know like it's an embarrassing like, move on his part I think and an embarrassing move on like embarrassing but I, but I think we're all glad it happened like it's a defining moment for pop culture it was a massive moment for pop culture and apparently Taylor has actually got a picture of the moment he interrupted her oh really in her house next to the award I find that very cool and <laughs> with this quote which which again apparently is in is in one of the album sleeves somewhere which is life is full of little interruptions mm. i mean you I, know i do like that yeah <laughs> it's a bit lame but kind of cool but kind of lame i mean whatever she needs to do i think like <laughs> the fact that she didn't i think the 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 lesson really is that reputation is one of her weaker albums and therefore while it might have made her feel better that's not yeah. That's not she. She should have, perhaps should focus on other things. It's not as if she waits five years to put an album out. Like there's one coming down the pipe. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you don't like this one, try Lover. It's yeah. coming very soon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 You know. I. 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 God. If I was 19 and I was in that position, I don't know what I would do. But and I think Kanye was a total jerk. But yeah. <sighs> The drama, the drama and to be tabloid gossip like that. And, you know, she said famously, she said oh, she didn't want to be part of that narrative. But I think um, I think fame at that level, you can't you have to sacrifice something mm. you cannot control unless you're Dolly Parton. But even Dolly, you know, Dolly's, you know, Dolly Parton was an absolute joke, really, until about, yeah. about five years ago. ago. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, I imagine I've just got a feeling she's a massive control freak and I imagine not being able to control the narrative when she'd spent so many years firmly sticking to the script 
and absolutely kind of doing what she thought she should and then someone comes along and, and trashes that and she has nothing she can do I imagine that was pretty torturous for someone like her I say this as if I have any idea we've got a couple songs on your on your list left um would you like to talk about lover first or august which I both thought were um you know I was they were out of the box choices Oh, interesting. August, um, I find, was the most out-of-the-box choice because okay. um, it, it, it was one of my skip-overs. Was it? So I'm interested in why it's not one of yours. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, It's a Jack Antonoff one, I think. Is that how I say his name? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and um, I love the chorus. I just love it. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of, you know, again, it was Taylor. It's only, it's only ever bad news, but it's <laughs> the heartbreak. And there's a wonderful line about how she wants to... She's obviously staring at this boy on the beach and she wants to write his, her name on his back. And I mean, it's just... And that she's obviously young and it's a kind of really early kind of sexual kind of like yeah. ownership thing. I just... Oh, I, I never actually got that from the song. Okay, now I like it again. Yeah, and the kind of twisted bedsheets and that kind of... It's a real earworm. Yeah, yeah. So there's a just... Oh, I just love... Mostly I just love the sound of it. Um, yeah, I think... I, don't, I couldn't... Yeah, why do I love that one so much? It, it's very feel good. Yeah. yeah, it's very very feel good and um, and yeah. on folklore, I believe. Yes, yes, and and lover, I just, you know, I just think she wrote it entirely on her own. You know, one of the few on the track on the record where she's got the only writing credit. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, and I mean, she gets a lot of shit about the line. We can take the Christmas lights down in January it is a bit which is a bit, bit peculiar um, when most people take them down yeah. <laughs> um, but it's this really simple love song I think there's a there's a kind of like the guitar and it, it almost sounds very cool it doesn't quite yeah, but it true. almost sounds like there's almost like it made me think of something like Chrissy Hines or some you know there was some kind of it, it sounded of a slightly different genre I just thought it was a I just thought, what a song to write. Like, how how do you write a really romantic love song that doesn't sound ridiculous? This is it. So she's reaching this place now in her her career where she seems like, for all intents and purposes, very happily, domestically in love. And it seems that she's very intent on keeping that relationship private. It seems that she's figured out that one of the common things that have ended relationships is the public, right? So it seems like she's really paying for that good security so her and Joe can be on an island. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, but how do you um, still write autobiographically and write gripping songs that people relate to yeah. and when it's basically just a love song? And I think she really did that on Lover. And she I did. loved that album. Yeah, she did. I think she did. I think, um, you know, there was a feeling that, like, you know, all of her problems are solved with one man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I think she, I think, especially with Lover, I think there was just this very, again, it, it felt very honest. Um, it felt like she was letting us into this thing that was very, very private mm. as well. I think that that's probably the, the closest we're, we're going to get. And I think, I totally understand her, the fact that you never see them together. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, not... I think, I think she does pay for it to be that way. Yeah, you know yeah, I, mean? I think, yeah. Um but I think, yeah, like, you know, that's the worry, isn't it, as a Taylor Swift fan? Like, if she's just content and yeah. <laughs> where's the material? And, the material. and that was what's so interesting about folklore and evermore was that this foray into, you know, 
making things up, basically. Some of which I loved. Mm-hmm. Like, her story songs, when they're good, they're great. Mm-hmm. Like, I love The Last Great American Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing song. We, I remember my whole group of friends, we just lost our minds with, and then it was bought by her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the first time you hear it. You're like, the literally. The first time you hear it. <laughs> You're like one of those NASA technicians just takes down the earphones like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that I love. Yeah. And then there's like songs like Nobody, No Crime. And I'm like, yeah. this feels like something you'd write a GCSE. <laughs> a bit. Or kind of like, you know, how to write a song. Yeah. 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 Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. And some of the stories, you know, I liked how she played with the different perspectives because they're all love stories, aren't they? Yeah. They're all infidelity or... But I do, I do love that, like, because this, the co-writing credits on those albums are all, like, the guys from The National and Bonnie Iver mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. It's like, feels like all these, like, middle-aged men who are now very bored of their own credibility. They're like, I just want to go to Taylor Swift summer camp and make Daisy Chains and talk about crushes. Yeah. yeah. What a lovely holiday for them! <laughs> and also make a shit ton of money, right? Make a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure people are cynical, you know, because obviously you write a, a big song with Taylor and you, you, you're going to be okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting, I think, that move into the into that particular genre of her, middle-aged her, man. <laughs> her patronising incredibly famous men yeah. I find very cool. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> so do I. And, you know, she she kind of, like, they've got a band together, the guy from The National and Bonnie Iver called... Um, Oh, now I've forgotten. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Big Red something. Oh, and, yes, yeah, I've listened. I yeah, like it, I think. Yeah, and they... And she then, like, features on their record. And there's just this kind of nice hanging out that, you know, I think she just seems to have found a tribe. And weirdly, you know, a kind of... For people searching for Taylor to be cool, at one time, those people were very cool. I mean, they're not as cool as they were, but it's interesting to me that that's kind of where she is now with these kind of, like... Indie-ish male Guys much guitar, older than her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're still kind of singing Taylor, as you say, like crushes, and you know, <laughs> how do I feel about this thing again? So yeah, it's really fascinating. But I, but it, you know, I'm like the guy from the National described writing songs with Taylor like dancing with Fred Astaire, and. Wow. I just That's thought, a big thing for someone from the national to say. Do you know what I mean? Like that, like that's just the ultimate figurehead of like what it like is to be like a cool music guy. But maybe not anymore because they're such a huge band now. But yeah. certainly for a long time, it yeah. was like you know, MrPitchfork.com, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I think her credibility seems to be on the up in some ways. I mean, it's I I think we spoke about this before, but you know, Billy Joel compared her to the Beatles, which I don't actually think is true. In terms of volume, it might be. But in terms of in terms of volume, I think it's true. Um, in terms of kind of uh, influence, and you know, I think I don't think it's true. But there does seem to be a growing credibility around her, and I I I do wonder how much that is in, since she's kind of come out and said, "No, I'm not a Nazi." And <laughs> I think it's just it's the her living a quiet life thing, which makes me a little bit sad because it means like, okay, so in order for women to be respected artists, do they also have to live small enough for you to fit them? In yes. Yet? Yeah. I think she. Yes, I think that's. I mean, that's been the dilemma with her all along, hasn't it? I guess her trying to fit into a way that she thinks the world finds her acceptable, um, and then the world responding. Um, 
What's, and the, what's the next phase of Taylor that you'd like? I mean, like she's had so many movements and yeah, aesthetics and yeah, sounds. Yeah, like, yeah. What, what would you love next? I'm not, I'm not a diehard a fan enough to be that excited by all the re-recording. You know, like... Yes, red was the big one. The rest can come. Red gave us a lot. I think red gave us a lot. I, I mean, I was reading something about where somebody reckons there'll be a bunch of new tracks on 1989. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I could do like a whole another vocal. <laughs> um, I don't know. I want to be surprised again. I think that's why Out of the Woods was on that my list because yeah. that joy of being like oh, and I think. You know, I lo- I really enjoy her collaborations. Um, you know, I'd love to read something that she'd written that wasn't for a song. You oh, know, I'd like love some to, prose? yeah, or like a script because you know, like we've oh, said, God. so many of her films, her songs seem so cinematic to me. Um, Having said that, that all too well yeah, video maybe absolutely not. made me gag. Like, <laughs> well, I was kind of okay with it until they had been in the bookshop. I found the bit in the book. Really, the red wig. Yeah, really I'm acting. awful. Really awful. Um, Do you know what I'd love next, personally? I'd love a re- maybe she's done this already in a way, kind of with red, but a real like Taylor Swift in the E Street Band kind of moment. Yeah. Like, uh, like imagine like Taylor Swift doing a song like Rosalita yeah. and just like giving it yeah. real throat on yeah, stage, yeah. you know? Yeah, which yeah, which she hasn't done enough of, have she? Yeah. Really? Like, yeah, full band, big orc music. Like, yeah, it's like right. Taylor's coming back to the live stage or whatever yeah. post pandemic we're free again with a huge, huge band. band yeah yes I would definitely prefer a huge band to all the dancers and the giant snake that's for sure yeah, yeah. and like per proper like sweating it out in a leotard just like <laughs> sweat yeah sweat down the back yeah like <laughs> yeah because she does really give it yeah when she performs I mean it's an like she's in she yeah I don't need you to dance Taylor <laughs> Stay, stay still. Stay still. <laughs> or just like do like that's something I really love about Miley Cyrus is that I think she's left that part of her career behind and she just really just the performance is just her giving it on stage. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean this is sounds awful, but Taylor's best work, I would guess, is when Taylor is just content being Taylor. Like when she's tried to go off and do other things, I feel like it hasn't really worked so yeah, much. Yeah. You know, she recorded folklore and evermore in lockdown as a kind of seemingly like oh let's kill the time mm. so i just i don't know kind of her best received work in years yeah isn't it, really yeah i just kind of want her to kind of a little bit do i mean a bit contradictory to what i said i like to be surprised but i also like taylor to do what she's good at you know stick to yeah. stick to what she's really good at um you know i don't know i th- i think actually contradictorily the world could do with a little bit of a taylor break Oh. Yeah, as a fan, I could, you know. Um, you really want a chance to miss her and then have like a whole bank of 20 new songs to obsess over. Yeah, I want to miss Rather her. Rather than dribs and drabs of like, here's a bonus track for such and such. Yeah, yeah. I want to miss her. I want her to have some time away. I want her to come a bit back a bit different, maybe with different hair. You know, <laughs> like, you know, maybe she's discovered some new genre of music or writer or something. You know, I think I want her to go off and live a bit. And um, I'd be interested in a novel by Taylor or a novella. A novella. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it's in her. It's probably yeah. it's probably there, isn't it? It's probably yeah, there. It's sitting around. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure it is. She's like frighteningly productive. But um, yeah, I think I think we could probably do with a Taylor break. And uh, you know, fuck me, she's like 
She's still she's not yet thirty five. She's got time. She's got time, yeah. hasn't yeah. she? Fucking hell. We're gonna get like another at least another thirty years, Taylor. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. And sometimes I like to imagine what she'll be like when she's sort of, you know, 70. Like, will she Will she just still be with her guitar and her cookies, you know? Or will she, will she, you know, will she, like, still knocking out music? Will she be like Paul McCartney, just constantly at it? Oh, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> I'd like her to be like a Joni Mitchell, really. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she loves Paul McCartney, though, doesn't she? She does. I mm. remember, um, we should wrap up, but... Uh, there, there was some well, a few years ago Taylor was supposed to be doing a show in June and the tickets had been released to buy in December and they were incredibly expensive and I was going to go with my friend Ashling and she said but it's in June and one of her mad at her then <laughs> that's amazing I was like that's the Taylor experience that's it one of her mad at her then that's it and again it's that kind of personal like what have we fallen out with our friend Taylor <laughs> So nuts. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask a very uh, Des Landis question. Okay. Uh, you can only listen to one of these songs forever. Oh my God. Well, all too well, the 10 minute version. That's it. You want bang for your buck, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. It has to be. And then maybe one day she'll release a 20 minute version. <laughs> and Jake Gyllenhaal will be gunned down at his local Whole Foods. <laughs> I have to say, not much I admire about Jake Gyllenhaal, but I really admire him just keeping shtum. Oh, yeah. And, he, you know, he even went on, you know, Saturday Night Live recently. I was he? waiting for the moment. Yeah, and he just, yeah. I mean, I love the fact that his current girlfriend is about mm. 24 or something. That is amazing. Um, I mean, he's an exceptionally handsome man. There, there are worse people to be your douchebag ex, you know. Yeah. Like that. But yeah, he. Some of us have douchebag exes and they're not famous. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Han- or handsome. Like- I know. And no one cares when we talk about them. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I really didn't. He kind of, I think he said something in an interview about how it's not great for other people's fans to abuse other people or something. And I just thought there's zero sympathy for you here, mate. Like zero. Yeah. Like. You're just being painted as in a heartthrob, like, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand. Yeah, she's not even really accusing him of anything specifically other no. than just being negligent, which yeah. is, hello, men. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many worse things that he could have done. So, yeah, I kind of, I have no sympathy for him. But yes, I think you're right that he has just... He I have sympathy for Taylor Lautner, the co-star of Twilight, who she briefly dated and who has nowhere to be seen for years. What did she do to him? What did she do to him? In that big house she had on Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. only one could live. <laughs> um, we better wrap up, but you are writing a book at the moment. I am. Does I'm trying to. It doesn't have a title and it's meant to be released in 2023. Okay. So it's very much a work in progress. If I was, if Taylor, Taylor would have written this book about seven years ago and be on like the, or, or rewriting it now, she would be. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a bit slower. But you can be found at Marisa J. Bates. That yes, correct? that's my yeah. Twitter handle. <laughs> that's a good I'm memory. I know. <laughs> very I used to be the social media editor, so I have everyone's Twitter handles on Scored to your brain. Um, yeah, is there anything Thank else you'd you. like to plug while we're here? Um, and uh, I guess I should. I have a uh, newsletter. Oh, yes. And it's called Writing About Women, um, which pretty much does what it says. bit more rambling sometimes, my own thoughts. Not many Taylor references. Yeah. Um, it's ref- still good. <laughs> well, yes, hopefully. Um, but yes, it's uh, free. And you don't even have to sign up because I just put it on the internet every three weeks. Oh. But that's where you can find it. Well, thank you, Marisa Bay. 
Thank you, for Carolina Donahue. Yeah, well, I, what, an, what an honor. What a huge <laughs> honor. I would like to kind of apologize, disclaimer, to the fans that will be outraged. Um, what you missed. How dare yeah, you? what I missed. Yeah, exactly. Um, but really yeah. came for the love story years. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. The podcast was produced and edited by me, with mix and music by Harry Harris, and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com, or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at ZaraLine. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.